0: Fly me to the moon Let me Play among those stars Let me see What spring is like On A Jupiter and Mars In other words I get you to introduce yourself and get a mic check from you.
1: Yeah, this, what do you mean? You, th- th- this is Brad. I I, I called you in and everything. You know who this is. Well, yeah, I know who you are, but
0: <laughs> smartass. <laughs> See, I, okay, everybody out there, now you know what I have to deal with on a regular basis. This this guy, he's such a. I love his sense of humor, but it takes a little getting used to.
1: The the worst part is that you, you have gotten used to it. That I don't think that I can get you with like one of those epic. Oh my God! This is the exact opposite of what I thought I would hear from Brad. Kind of joke, and um, I don't I don't think you fall for it anymore. I think I said something about redesigning the latest Trek expansion that I'm working on, and you were just like, "Yeah, you, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't. Oh, you wouldn't be that massive kisses." What you said, and then you were excited that. Just oh, type back the kisses right correctly. So (laughs) yeah,
0: (laughs) I think I've had the 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 wool put over my eyes a few too many times. (laughs) Everything Brad says, I go get the salt shaker, pull out a couple (laughs) grains.
1: Uh, I'll, I'll get you one of these days. It'll, it'll have to be... The worst is I'll probably have some bad news for you or something, you know, just the opposite and you won't believe me. It's like, yeah, it'll, it'll, something days. will happen and you'll be trying to, know. I'm serious
0: and I just won't believe you and then... <coughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Alright, so Brad is here on the show with me. Uh, the reason this show exists is because of Brad. Brad texted me about month or six weeks ago and said, you should do another podcast. And uh, because I really don't have anything better to do with my time, I said, sure. So <laughs> I told Brad that I would do a regular podcast if he agreed to be on it, and he did. So welcome to the show, Brad.
1: Uh, thank you. you. You know, really what it is is that, I mean, I absolutely love my smartphone. What it is, is I found a, a decent, I figured out how to work one of the podcasts. Things on programs on or apps on my phone, and I was just like, I need, I need more podcasts that I'd like to listen to. And I realized, you know, Section Thirty-One is great, but I wanted more. So I was like, I'll bug Charlie until he starts doing another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, mission accomplished.
0: Uh, what? I love it. What, what uh, podcast app do you use?
1: It's called. It's
0: Google's default one. It's Google Listen. For those of you who don't know, Brad and I both have droids, Android phones, and they're the best phone ever. <laughs> so, ever. I, I don't know what model you want. Go get whatever model you want, but get an Android, because they're epic. They're really cool. So, Yeah. And Brad I gets agree. to kick my butt every day in Scrabble, so... Uh. I love it.
1: I love it. Uh, no, you know, I think, I think that's good for... Um, a lot of times you hear... You know, uh, accomplished game designers talking about, um, telling advice for upcomers saying, hey, play games, you know. So it's one of those things where I try to go, uh, try to play an odd game here and there. Other games, you know, and logic games and stuff like that. It's, it's great for, uh, creative juices or even just, um, thinking through problems and fixes. So I think that, so, so really, I'm just playing Scrabble to be a better card designer. I like to use. I
0: play a uh, Sudoku as my go-to game oh. for clearing my mind. So. Oh, that's
1: good. That's good. I have I, always had trouble with Sudoku. I, I, maybe I'm I'm not that good at adding and subtracting as well. It's
0: it, it's it's a logic game more than anything. It's it's more about deductions and, and patterns than it is math. So, but maybe i ought to look into it a little more. So, uh, Brad. Um, is it an election season for you where you are? Because I'm sick to death of (laughs) these commercials already.
1: It is. It is outrageous where I'm at right now. But luckily, I haven't gotten um, a lot of the flyers in the mail. That's what really drove me nuts last year. Because I don't watch a lot of TV, so it it doesn't really catch me that much. But last year was just the huge amounts of junk mail I got was just outrageously bad, you know. And then there's flyers everywhere. Flyers everywhere. So uh, that drives me nuts, yeah.
0: I'm staying at my parents' house, and my mom is a teacher, so she's part of the oh. teacher's union. So she gets three or four things a day from different right. candidates, and it's a governor year in Ohio, and it's a, br- oh, no. it's a brutal race. It is – I mean, I was watching my beloved Ohio State Buckeyes suck and die on Saturday, oh. and uh, oh. it, it was like the commercial – it would be an ESPN commercial – Commercial for one of the schools, three election ads, all game. Oh it was. It drove me. I mean, I just wanted to stop watching it. Except I just can't. It goes to right. show that I'm a, a sadist. But uh.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's rough, isn't it? And uh, I think that one of the local stations was running an ad every so often that was like. Here's a moment of, of serenity for you where we won't talk about politic ads and like showed a, a running stream or something like that for a little bit and then moved on to
0: the next thing. So. Yeah. It, 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 there's still two more weeks left, and these are always the worst two weeks. I just, getting slow, they're getting messier and messier every year.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem that. It seems like they get worse all the time. Ugh.
0: So I know you're a big NFL fan. Do you watch college football at all, or are you strictly pro?
1: Yeah, I, I really, uh, I like following some of the, the storylines and some of the uh, what's going on in college ball, but I don't actually watch the games that much. Uh, I'm pretty much for watching the games. It's, it's a pro game. Part of it is because I work on Saturdays. But Sundays I go and um, meet my friend Joe at a sports bar and we try to watch all the games at once. You know, we, we get there early to get the prime seat, in front of all the TVs, and we spend a whole day with just watching NFL all day long. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really into watching the NFL. I uh, love the storylines out of the college game, though. It's always exciting to listen to some stories out of the college game.
0: Yeah, I think the rivalries are better in college. I mean, oh, yeah. There's some good rivalries in the NFL, but I mean, Ohio State versus Michigan every year is just, it's epic. Especially when, yeah. when you're, when I was, I went to Ohio State and being, being able to go to that game for five years and get caught up in all of it—it's just that you don't get that in the in the pro game. I mean, the program has other advantages, but the the college game is just—it's more about. I, I want to say it's more about all the pageantry and the fun and the and as you said the storyline, as much as it is about the game. Where in the pro, it's you know entirely about the game and winning. And
1: I, I so agree with you. You know, because you can have. A team that has not won a single game, but they but they've got a rival, and when that rival week comes around, it's it's big. They get excited about it, even though there's there's no chance of them even getting close to this other team. You'll still talk about it, you know. Doesn't matter how down Auburn is when Auburn Alabama comes around, it's it's the world, you know. The the rivalries like that are great. I like that a lot. Oh yeah. What is your what what is your NFL team of choice? Oh, Denver Broncos, Denver Broncos. Now, now that I live back in Colorado, it's not as exciting because everybody's a Broncos fan around here. Well, not everybody. But there there's a few people that are that are misled and maybe be converted over to 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 the true team to to follow, but when I lived in Virginia, it was odd. I ran into a Broncos fan. It was a big deal. We had to stop, we had to chat, we had to, you know, it was it was kind of odd, so Outstanding. So yeah, you
0: you were you grew up in Colorado, right? That's so
1: Yeah, yeah. Born and raised and uh you know, I I've lived in different places around you know, but uh yeah, always always a Broncos fan and I always like, you know, coming back to Colorado and that's where I am right now, so that's it's nice. Outstanding. So we don't you don't get to play
0: much Star Trek out there, do you? I I would have guessed.
1: No, I don't, and I think that even if there was a group or if I had someone else to play with, I don't know um, if I would necessarily have the time. I, I, I think I'd have to make the time, but uh, playing more games would probably be better for me and probably for the game in, in, in the end. Uh, maybe I need to work on finding a better way to try to get some games in, even if they're online or something like that.
0: Well, I mean, you, you've obviously been doing this a very long time, and you have played quite a bit, so I'm not I'm not concerned there. I just, you know, it'd be nice to see. <laughs> you, you came out to Gen Con two years ago, 2009, and that was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Everybody likes Brad. Everybody likes to see Brad and talk to Brad, so hopefully you'll be able to make it out again this year, because i am got big plans for Gen Con 2011. So. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. I'm sure people want to hear us talk about Star Trek. After all, this is uh, like, yes the continuing yes. committees podcast on the continuing committees website, which does Star Trek. What yes type of things are you working on these days, Brad? Are you hip deep in the next expansion? Are you taking a break? What's what's going on there? Uh,
1: we're play testing right now the the, the next expansion. Uh, it's got a code name of Jordan um, and. Uh, we just completed the second week of testing, which is version B. The testers just finished version B. Um, and I've been going through feedback here. I'm getting ready to, to uh, I'm gonna hit the design team with what we need to change and what their opinions are on some stuff here today. And then tomorrow, all the changes will be made and I'll put up version C for the testers and the testers have until Monday to test and put up reports on, uh, on what was going on which is uh, I don't know if people realize that but it's a real sp- the big window is on, on of the week is on the on the testing side and the small window is on the development side on changing the cards and getting them getting them working and uh, it's almost not fair because uh, there's a lot of things that uh, need to be changed or talked about and stuff like that. So sometimes it's an accelerated pattern. And I know that when I brought on some new assistant designers, sometimes that that pace is a it's a little bit shocking and uh it's one of those things that if you miss a day during those you know, the, the three days that we we have the car it's uh you can you can miss a discussion, you can miss something that you gotta save it almost for the next week and get ready to, to jump on it. So sometimes that can be a little bit hectic on the design side. And that's what I'm going through right now. Well, Mondays. Mondays are awful. You know, when I was working at Decipher, you know, you say, oh, you work for a game company, but I'm uh, still going to work. So Mondays are rough, but it was always doubly rough on me because it would be feedback day. And um, maybe I don't have enough of a positive outlook on the cards, but it was the day that, you know, you you heard all the problems. So, not only was it Monday, you know, and your coffee wasn't strong enough, it was, oh, and here's all the problems we need to fix, too. So, it could could be rough, that's for sure.
0: Absolutely. Now, I know that there have been many, many calls for playtesters in the past. Uh And there was a spot of drama recently. Uh, Have we picked up any? (laughs) Yeah, did you hear about that? No. Uh, Something about... Some, I don't know, some headset or something. I don't know. Uh,
1: I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, I, I I do look for, for testers. And um, the, the only drawback for me looking for testers is that I have them fill out a, an application first before I bring in a group. And um, there's a lot of reasons why. But I know that some people who have said, hey, I'll offer my, my time and my services. And I say, all right, here. Fill out this application. It's almost um, it's almost off-putting. It's just like, no, I want to help. Why do I have to? Why do I have to fill out a test to 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 do this? But there's there's some decent reasons on why I want to do it. When I first started working on 2e, we we put together a test, and then we started ignoring it. We'd add groups as we wanted, and then when the continuing committee started, I I brought it back again. Just just because I don't want to be doubly wasting people's time. I don't want to take a, a, a group on as testers and then get one week of feedback from them, get nothing else, and then have to go through all the administrative work of adding and then make, and consequently dropping a group just because they only came around for one week. Unfortunately, I've, I've said no to some people for, for testing and it's because the the answers that they gave on the test it was it was clear that we we're gonna have some communication problems or that maybe they were gonna miss some of the stuff that I find uh, important in testing. And again, I don't want to create a whole bunch of, of bandwidth and, and awful chatter going back and forth between some people if it's not gonna be helping the game in the end. And that's that's the most important thing. The most important thing out there is is that it it works like that way. So but I, I do think my current test is it's maybe a little bit it might be a little bit unfair because uh, uh, the, some of the some of the questions are rough. Well, we did just pick up three new groups, right? Yes, yeah, sir. We did. We did. Um, we did drop two groups, but uh, we did uh, we did pick up three new groups, and all three seem to have a lot of energy, which is great. Uh, one of, one of the most important things because that helps give energy to existing groups as well because they see, they see that feedback going up and they want to be part of it. They want to see if they can find the same results and, or is they get different results and that's, that's good, you know, and th- there'll be some communication going back and forth where they get a the chance to talk to each other about some of this stuff too, you know, and, and, uh, it's good to have that that new energy from new groups so I, I hope it lasts. it looks like it's going good so far
0: yeah this uh this expansion is is really really cool. I like it. I don't think it's uh I think it's very different than anything that's been done in in five or six years so good job on that one yes. now <laughs> have you started anything on the one after that, which would be the one that uh, our make it so winner? Keith uh, Morris gets to work on. Have you put him to work at all, or is he just kind of in a waiting mode?
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> yes to both. He's, uh, he is in a waiting mode. Um, Keith is very prolific. He's writing a lot. He's putting down ideas, which is great. But, yeah, the, the basic idea of what's going to happen in the, the 24th expansion, which is a uh, code named Rizzi, is uh, is set, and he is very diligent on working on those things that uh, that we that we're starting to outline and things that we're looking at. And I think that uh, the design process may go a little bit smooth just because of his proliferation. I think also, make it so was a great training ground for him because there's a lot of things he knows that we're not even going to mess with this. We know that there's problems with this, or I know that this is something we've talked about as good design or this is not good design. So he, he, he moves on some of that stuff. So I'm excited about that. It's good to be ahead so that when I finish with Jordan we can jump right into Rizzy and not uh, have to have too long of a a cooling off period. Um it's it's sometimes rough on me. I think I've I've taken a cooling off period the last after the last two expansions that we've worked on, which I think maybe throws off the schedule a little bit, but I'm, I mean, I, I need it every so often to, to rethink what's going on. But it also helps that there's a chance for the new cards to get out there and get played a little bit so that we kind of have an idea what's going on with the game so that we don't add to someone that doesn't need anything added to them.
0: Well, here's a question that I have been asked, and I'm going to okay. toss your way. Uh, are you still having fun doing all this? And is it is
1: it worth it? I am. I am. There there's some times. Last night I was about halfway through reviewing some of the, the cards and the Monday night football game was getting ready to come on that I said, Oh, I'm gonna I'm tired of it. Stupid cards. I'm gonna go get a beer. <laughs> no, uh but so there, there there's there's still some frustration sometimes and it's uh, I don't think it's ever a good feeling to put up an idea that you think, oh, this idea is great. And then you realize, no, it's, it's not great, you know, and it's, it's rough to base some of that on a regular basis, but I, that's, that's part of,
0: part of the, of the design game is to, uh, is to say things, things need to change, things need to be different, so. Yeah, that strikes me as an occupational hazard, whether or not you're being paid or not being paid. So, um,
1: Yeah, I think assistant designers have trouble with that too sometimes when they when they come up with a few really good ideas or they see something they really want to see in the game or they think they've got a solution to what is maybe perceived as an issue and um, I, I don't include it. You know, and sometimes I don't, well, most of the time, I don't give an explanation of why I, I didn't like a certain card. But I think that can be that can be frustrating as well, as if, if you put up something something neat, you know, and you're like, hey, this is it. I'm just like, oh, it's not it. You know, but it, it happens to me as well. Um, unfortunately, sometimes uh, it's a card I decide, oh, we're going to go ahead with this card. We put it in, and then during testing, it's just like, it's not going to work. So I think there's about three cards that I wrote that are in that position right now in uh, the latest expansion that I'm, I'm just going to cut. I don't want to try to try to push a, a pet peeve or something like that right now. They need to they need to get cut. And um, there's no pressure to put in a, a replacement cards for those right away because there's plenty of other cards that need to be tested in the meantime. Helps with a little bit of focus with less cards to test for testers, but uh, eventually they'll have to be replaced in the expansion. So, but that's something that, that's the reason why how we have it, the design team instead of it just being Brad to cards.
0: Yeah, that's one of the lessons that was harder. It was hard for me to learn. is what you called uh, mm-hmm. golden poles, I think where you get certain yeah. certain cards that whether they're good or bad or anything are putting blinders on people. They're only looking at that card. And that means yeah. other cards aren't being tested or given due consideration. So, yeah. I, it's got to be a, uh, a tough call, repeatedly. But necessary one, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, th- there's there's always a side effect, too, with uh, with playtesting that I think is interesting. That's um, It's the beyond the gameplay feedback that we get sometimes, you know. Or maybe it'll be feedback about something that um, that maybe does have a gameplay, but it's such a maybe such a minor gameplay feature that it's not that important to get an argument about it, but you'll still see some of the argument about it. Um, it's not, it's naive, that, that passion, some of the, the feedback going back and forth, but then there'll be times where I'll we'll be just like, ah, oh, this is this is, has so little importance compared to so many of these other cards or the, the whole scope of the expansion. And, you know, man, I really wanted us to test card 13 and no one's testing card 13, you know, kind of thing. So that's there's always frustration all, all around, I think, you know, on, on the tester side and on, on the design side as well.
0: So another question that I have been asked frequently, and I think a lot of people uh don't know the answer to are you involved in the design of uh, the first edition stuff
1: hell I am not um while i considered myself a pretty good first edition player before i, I started working at the cipher i uh i i i let those guys do whatever they need to do i'm i do watch some of the stuff uh, Um, i watch some of the uh the rules discussion on one, e uh, and then I recently been following some of the playtesting feedback for the first edition stuff. It's it's good um, for me to see some of that stuff. I think it's always good for me to look at any other card game. But uh there's just some stuff that just doesn't translate back across to what I'm working on that's that maybe I'm not allocating my time as well. But it's it's good to see some of that stuff. I really think that one the design is in in good hands right now. I think that uh, the expansion is rolling out right now is you know straight and steady. There's uh, there's just some great stuff in it. It looks it looks neat. I'm excited about it. Uh, I think my only concern is that it seems like there was a lot of one e here rolled out really quick. But um, you know I haven't really looked at the release dates. Maybe it's maybe it's not being released too fast. It just seems like oh there's another one e. Awesome. Let's go. What's going on? So it, it but, is um, I, I'm excited about some of that stuff I don't know if i if I had the time whether I could do any extra work on one e as well I think that if I did I would only be distracting from the the well placed team and what they're doing right now
0: well I just I know a lot of people think that you were involved and I just wanted to give you the chance to clear that up um yeah know the, the other thing with one is that the rate of new cards uh isn't faster than 2e but we put out a couple reprint heavy uh, expansions for one e because they need more love they need more attention they need to build virtual cards faster yeah. like we, we put out in August um, homefront which was it was uh, 18 dilemmas reprinted and all of the headquarters facilities and all of the homeworld missions
1: uh right. just so people So that's could... not necessarily a new expansion but it sure feels like new cards and maybe that's what I'm seeing there is it felt like new cards had just come out two months ago but really they were they were a bunch of, of reprints well a majority of reprints Yeah so it's it's or it seems like reprint- there's more coming
0: out but it's not really it's it cuz reprints don't really need testing there were a couple cards in there that were conversions so we gave them uh-huh. a little bit of testing but um, conversions are are, are usually easy, uh, especially dilemmas and personnel. They're usually pretty simple to get right. Um, verbs are, are more tricky. Right. But...
1: Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, that, I, that was the big thing that uh, I remembered as as I, I playtested first edition. Um, and that was the big thing I always noticed was that, that I didn't often have to worry about some of the new personnel coming out was, of course, there was things to watch for with personnel, but you usually watched for dilemmas and, and verbs. Those were really those were really the big changers, you know, that the things had had to get a lot of scrutiny on them. So I ha- I have to imagine that it's a lot the same still. It, it's it,
0: it's really the biggest other than you know the rules and the the look. It's the biggest design paradigm change between one e and two e in. Two E, you put abilities on personnel and you put abilities on ships, and in one E you, you you don't. And ironically, several of the cards in in Life from Lifelessness and Straight and Steady that, that now have downloads, special downloads that are broken links, started out uh-huh. as abilities on personnel. You know, <sighs> special skills that, that just weren't weren't working or weren't well tested enough and so it just becomes all right. Well, we'll just offload that onto a verb, and we'll give them a special download. So, in in all a right. way, it makes making personnel easier, but really complicates
1: everything else. I could see that. I could really see that.
0: Okay, so let's let's do some have some fun, Brad. I love it. You you suggested several uh, conversation games that we could participate in, and the first one of which you called quantum leap or if i could quantum leap and the, the goal here is we're going to pick a card from a long time ago in a galaxy far away uh-huh. and and talk no, about a
1: no, Star Trek card. Yes,
0: a Star Trek card from from <laughs> you know early expansions even or something recently we we did that we could have done better and talk about what we've learned in the time since that came out and how we can do it better. So, do you have a card in mind to, to talk about? I thought uh,
1: we'd start with these are the voyages, just because you and I have uh, discussed this card a little bit in the past, and I thought that it might be fun to to rehash that conversation for the uh, thousands and thousands of listeners. Fun and educational. So,
0: these are the voyages, as it is right now. It is a one-cost event that targets a, a personnel who has a cost. You draw cards equal to that personnel's cost. And then you put three cards on the bottom of your deck. So it is a a deck manipulation type of card. I believe in playtesting the lore you put on it was uh through your deck. So the the card said these are the voyages through your deck. Um Exactly. What
1: alright, what are your concerns about this card? Alright, so when we did Necessary Evil and some of the expansions around that time, at Cypher we had some in house we had an in house development team. And it was being headed by uh, Joe Allred, and it had several members, and what they did was they play tested cards, and then they changed cards, and they'd come and talk to designers a lot about this. At the time that this card was put out, we didn't have that in-house team, but I tell you what Joe would have said the moment he saw that card, he would have come and he would have said, just make it a number don't make it variable it's it's too swingy let's let's just make a number so we can pin a cost on this much better and i think that too often when i was doing the math for this card and i did a lot of math for this card um, i i thought about it with a four cost personnel in play and i think that's where it starts to get a little bit too swingy is when you get the the six cost personnel in in play it's, it's a lot. And maybe, you know, even almost all the numbers, maybe how many cards you place back to that you had to place three cards back to was, uh, because I, I don't think that the cycling is necessarily costed correctly in there. And I think that that's one of the strong points of this card is that it, it puts cards back, you know, and I think that's a strong ability.
0: What is it, Trump? Uh, well, I I think that even even if the card was written as draw three cards and put three cards from hand on the bottom of your deck, it would be a good card. Simply uh-huh. simply because of what you're saying, uh, you're always going to have cards in your in your hand that you don't want in your hand, and being able to transform those cards into something else is good resource management, and it's part of any CCG. A good example of what we tried to do for that was in... When we did Infinite Diversity, we made the uh, the card that's a bicycle. But you have to discard um, an event or interrupt or equipment from your hand. So if you end up uh-huh. in a deck where you have events and stuff and you don't necessarily want them, that gives you a way to turn that card into two more counters. Um, Visa the Voyage just lets you change up the cards in your hand without losing anything. I mean... If you, if you draw a late-game card early, now you can put it on the bottom of your deck, and as long as you have capabilities of going through your deck, you'll get it back towards the end of the game. So in and of itself, being able to replace three cards in your hand with three cards from your deck is very, very good. The fact that it's scaling makes it even better. I mean, if it was... Draw three cards and put three cards under. At cost one, I think it would be a great card. The fact that it's cost one, even if I play it on a six-cost person, now I'm getting to get rid of cards in my hand and getting cards in my hand. So I'm drawing cards, I'm lowering my my deck, uh, the size of my deck, and I'm putting cards away uh-huh. that I don't want. Now, it was part of In a Mirror Darkly, which was all about high-cost people. cost four or more people. So it's it's grease, huh. you know. It's it's a grease and it's carrot and it's a carrot. Yeah. Um, the, the the real problem I have with it is there isn't really. You you, you tried very hard to give every affiliation a high cost person to use, but they're not equal. Um, like Luox on the Troy for the Federation is just a, a beast with this, and the other one I see get played a lot is. Um, not aligned mirror universe Bashir, because in most situations he costs three, but lets you use these as voyages for plus three cards. So I don't know, maybe maybe making it just so that it was draw three, put three under would have been advantageous, or um, draw X, put X under, because that that can actually backfire at a point where you know I have four good cards in my hand, and if I draw uh, six and then I have to put six away, I'm going to either put all the ones I drew back under or I'm going to have to put away one of the cards in my hand that I wanted to keep. So, I, I don't know. what. If you were to make that card now,
1: what would you do with it? Well, I think the two big things that I would do is I would look back at Montgomery Scott, Chief Engineer, and I would look back on Darcy Archive. And I would say why did these cards not, cause these cards both cycle cards. Why did these cards not stand out as much? And I think the big thing that they don't stand out as much is the card advantage, that you get to actually draw cards and cycle cards. So it's obviously, it's not just the cycling of cards, because Montgomery Scott does this already. It's the, it's the gaining advantage of, of more cards. So I think that I would cap the scalability. And I would probably make it to keep it still in line with the idea that you have to be playing with high-cost personnel, and this will kill this awesome lore because it's going to add more words. I would have to play this card. You must command three personnel who have a cost of four or more each, or or something something along those lines, so that you had to have you had to have at least three guys because where this card has been frustrating, I think, is in a a cadet deck or a deck with, you know, low-cost Starfleet personnel or something like that, and then one high-cost personnel, like a Bashir or something like that, that powers it. And really, that's not giving you a reward for playing high-cost personnel, because you're not. So that's the first thing I think that I would do, is uh, is I would change it from, you know, you pick one guy to instead have, you must have X in play before you can even play this guy and then the next thing I think I would have it do is um, you draw four cards and place three underneath which like you were just saying I think that it's it's very strong but um, I think that you kind of get like that that net zero there because you lose that that card plus you know the three that go under so you're really just changing out four cards uh, I don't know if it would still be played as much, but I think that it would be much more balanced at that point.
0: I will say my favorite my favorite use of this card ever is I have a Cardassian uh, Android deck that I really like to play, and uh, it it tends to draw and get a lot of cards in its hand because of uh-huh. an aberrantain and Cardassian and, uh, protectorate and all that kind of stuff. So I right. played These Are the Voyages on Tolian and Sorin to draw zero and put three cards back in my deck. So I didn't have to discard them. I, I
1: thought that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. That's a great example of how maybe the scalability on the card was interesting. Uh, so that, that's great. That is an awesome story. I like that.
0: So I'm going to roll some dice. Awesome. All right. We are reviewing 11... Expansion 11, card 34. We're doing random card reviews. I think 11 is Genesis. (laughs) And it doesn't have 34 expansions in it. I don't know what I was thinking. So we're going to try this. Okay. This is trouble. Yeah. 13. So Genesis card 13 is Khan. Kirk yelling Khan. I
1: love
0: it. So... What do you think of this
1: card, Brad? <laughs> There's a lot of things that are neat about this card, but I have to tell you that um, it's almost uh, it's almost worded backwards. Because on Vile, "vile deception," the the big catchphrase line is in the lore; it's not in the title. So with this card, there was some there was some pressure to give it a different name and have the lore be con exclamation point but no one wanted that they wanted to be a con so so that that that, that's interesting uh i'll I'll tell you something else there was uh, whether it should be one exclamation point or whether it should be multiple exclamation points which i think is uh, i would love for any of the listeners to pipe up on the message board to tell me whether they think it should have been more exclamation points or just one is correct the gameplay of this card is interesting because uh, I, w- I wish it had a, I wish it had a second ability. I almost wish it was a stone type of card, because it's not something you're necessarily going to stock unless your meta has a lot of people gathering random little points here and there. Or if there was a lot of Romulan PNP in your area, this would be a card that might be great to play, you know, to, to, to zot some, some, some points here and there. You know where I've
0: used this before? Where? Guinan love it. Play Gaiden, oh. so they score points, and then you play Khan on them, so they lose the points, but you keep the points.
1: <laughs> yeah, so good. So good. Yeah, you know what? I love the image. I love the image. It was a very well-timed, put-out image. Getting Shatner at his, at his yelly best was was really good. Um, a, re- a great regret about this card is this would have been a, a great talkie. You know, just like the one edition's... Um, Klingon Death Yell, where you have to yell to score the points. It would have been great if you had to, to yell
0: "Con." Yeah, you have to stand uh, up and yell "Con" to play this card. Because <laughs> we should do that as a chairman's challenge where everybody has to run three copies of this. And whomever has the best, you know, performance of "Con" yell. yell throughout the tournament wins a special prize. But.
1: Oh, that would be great! Uh,
0: th- this card is one of those cards that's. I, it, I like it, and I always want to put it in a deck, but it's always one of the first cards that I cut. Yeah. Just because...
1: Yeah, it's not reliable enough. You just don't know if your opponent's going to be trying to score some points outside of missions.
0: Well, yeah, and a lot of the bonus points that do get used are post-mission bonus points, which this doesn't do you any good anyway. Stuff like debate over dinner or labor camp, that kind of stuff. I mean, you can use it for a site for sore eyes if Starfleet's really popular. Mm. But at this point, Starfleet has really good interrupt prevention too. So, you know, but then, I mean, you can also make the argument, if they're canceling your con, they're not going to cancel your bridge officer's test later. Exactly. 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 But this is just, this is one of those cards like Parting Shot that I always want to fit in a deck and I always end up taking out.
1: Yeah, it just, it, too narrow in its scope on what it tries to hit and uh, I I talk about this a lot with some of uh, some of the design that we're doing here on cards that it's a defensive card like this just um, it's hard for players to grasp it because when you're as a player you don't want to think that you're on your heels getting beat up and you want to play with cards like this you want to play with cards that are aggressive that are winning you games and this card is doing nothing toward getting you to to the end step or to getting you to the final blow or trying to get you to, to you know, to any further down the victory path. This, this, I tried to use some buzzwords there.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> this card just, uh, it's, 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 it's almost there in my mind. It's almost there. It's almost this great card, but it's not quite. It's not quite. All
0: right, let's do one more. And the dice have chosen eight U 50, which is, what he is speaks eight? eight is to boldly go. And the card is, He Speaks in Shale.
1: It oh, okay, okay. Starfleet
0: so, Cheater Interrupt.
1: Right. So I wasn't around for, uh, any of the Toboligo at all. I, I was, I was on my hiatus from Cypher, as we like to say. But I came back and this card had not been, um, had not been released yet. It had been approved by Paramount and the printers were holding on to it for, um, for, for whatever reasons they were holding on to it. And then through some sort of technical snafu on the printer's side, they shipped it to us. And after they shipped it to us, they were just like, Hey, wait, we didn't mean to ship that to you. We were just like, yeah, so sorry. And then we're, we're selling these guys. So this was a card that I. Came back to work at Cypher and it was just like, hey, we're, we're selling this. And I was like, oh, okay, well, let me look through to see what's going on here and see how we can promote some of these cards. And this was a card that I was just like, oh, this is great for Starfleet. This is, it's neat. It's different. So it, it had some, some neat effects like that that I really liked. And I don't think that it was as overwhelmingly powerful that you're going to see people change the way they, they play their dilemmas against. Uh, knowing that they might end up facing, he speaks in shale. What do you think about this card, Show?
0: I used it a lot when, after that dark year where there was nothing between Strange New Worlds and and To Build Go. When this first came out, it was in every this and fitting in were in every Starfleet deck I I put together. Um, I know there was at the time a lot of controversy about giving an entire affiliation the past icon, but fitting in lets you. Uh, gain a skill from somebody with a past icon. And this lets you gain an attribute off the Dilemma. Uh, and I used them in every Starfleet deck I put together. The, the problem was in that era, in To Boldly Go, Starfleet was just kind of, they were, they were rough. They weren't terrible, but they, they were new and they were undeveloped. And the, the number of situations in which I was able to successfully use He Speaks in Shale were limited. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I, there's a lot of dilemmas out there that say, uh, "What's what's a certain person's uh, attribute?" You know, you're not going to face a lot of that. Well, so really, this guy's just adding to attribute totals. The best instead of just a single person's attribute. The best
0: use I ever had of this was on Chula Echoes, mm-hmm. which oh, is I love it. select select three people if they're cunning. If the highest cunning is even, they're all stopped. Well, that's a cost one dilemma. So if you get three sixes hit, you can play this to bump them up to a seven, and boom, you pass. So, awesome. in modern Starfleet, I I can still see a use for it, but there are so many dilemmas now that don't even look at your attributes uh, that oh. I just I think it's a it's a card that you might want to use, but you're going to end up cutting for uh, interrupt prevention because especially with Mirror Starfleet on the scene. You just don't want cards in your hand, and you can use Watchdog, but it's just kind of rough.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's it's not. It, it doesn't feel like that home home run hitting interrupt that uh, I'm glad to play. It's not like uh, the original series is driven. You know, driven is one of those cards that, and you're you're drawing all those cards in your Tos deck, and one of the cards that you're always excited to see is when you get top deck of driven, you're just like, yes, I am in a good position now, you know, and this, this card doesn't quite have that. I'm in a good position. Another thing that would, that stinks about it is you can end up facing a, a series of dilemmas that do not cost a lot. You know, there, maybe there's zero cost that, you know, uh, that game text adds cost to it. And this, this guy just misses on it every time. Yep. They, they do come in handy
0: when somebody hits you with an eight coster though, and you're short on the attributes.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But so many of those eight costers, it's not always the attribute. It's the the skills that you need, which is another place where this guy maybe is kind of missing. Maybe it would have been better if it, it uh, maybe did a little bit of each going on there or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, uh I think it's a great image. Unfortunately, it's a really grainy image. A lot of the images in this uh, expansion were grainy, and it was because they were taken from uh, photographs taken on set. And uh, you know, I think that those came across pretty grainy, and the art team just uh, would just boost levels on those guys and move on with some of the, the the stuff like that. So to me, it it looks it looks grainy. I don't know what the general population thinks, but some of those guys really throw me off when they look that way. Alright, next game that you suggested
0: is called Blank the Blank. Oh my gosh, I'm, I love it. I'm going to give you a sentence with a blank in it, and you're going to fill it in, and then you can do the same for me. So,
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: Here's the one I'm going to, and the one I'm going to use for you is the one you suggested to me, because I really oh, like great. it. <laughs> Alright, ready?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. Blank is the best ship in the game. See, I I picked this one because it's it's a tough call, because not only are there some just great ships in the game, but there's also just some some awful ships in the game. Um, I think that if you had asked this question, you know, five years ago or so, it would have been easy that it's the USS Excelsior, which is just a, a vanilla ship. There's nothing going on with it. It's just it's great for its. It's cost. It's an eight ranger for, for for cost. It's great. It's easy to staff. I think that Yes, very easy to staff, exactly. Um, easy everything. But I think that uh, maybe the, you know, and then pre errata for the, the Enterprise E flagship of the Federation. That ship is just there's nothing but good happening with that. I mean you could take off one of the abilities and it's still a really good ship and to have both of those abilities there's so much that you can do with that, with the USS Enterprise E. I mean, so much you, that you can do. Um, it, it it's probably still the best ship in the game right now. Um, I, I think a great contender. I'm so sorry, I'm not giving you a straight up answer here. I think a great contender would be the the Romulan uh, past ship. It was the. What did we call it the Warbird? Suddenly. Bird to pray, or to pray. Uh, it, what
0: what it, expansion? Uh, that was in Raise the Stakes, and it is. I call it the Romulan Excelsior because there's really no. If you're using high cost Romulans, there's no downside to it.
1: Uh, well, even if you're not using downside Rom, not using high cost Romulans, there's no downside to it because it's already at seven range. You just need one person that costs four or more to hit that. That threshold of eight range, which is, I mean, is a, is a is a big threshold. You know that once you have eight range, you can you can move back and forth between you know a majority of your missions really quick. You're right. That, no, I, I I do think that uh, this may be the best ship in the game right now. It's unfortunate we don't see as many Romulan decks out there because this car, well, and you know it's non-unique too. That that makes a big difference because if you get the strip sh- ship stranded somewhere. You can always have another copy of it out there. You can you can get moving and do stuff with it. So, impressive. impressive. If I
0: had to throw out one ship, I would say the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the Phoenix. Because it's one of those cards where, I call it the fractured time effect. Just the card's existence changes the way people build their decks. Uh, yeah. And every time I see Commandeer Prototype, the first thing I think is, I'm going to get blown up. With, yeah, or the first thing I think is the Dominion Defiant, but now that that's been errated, I think, oh, the Phoenix is coming, I better have a way to get to 110.
1: Right. Well, or i got to <laughs> find some way to put the damage card on it.
0: Right. Yeah. And it, it so, j- just for that whole looming over the game factor, I would pick the Phoenix. So.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good one. That's I'm, I'm still going to stick with Bird of Prey, but uh, I think that's a, that's a great example. You know, right after the release of the Phoenix, you know, the, of course, there was a lot of discussion about it, but one thing I started seeing in some deck lists was, like, the one copy of, uh, of uh, an engagement that went on as a damage card. I saw a lot of that, and I thought that was just great. Just great that some people were saying, alright, I've, I've got my, my answer to this card here, you know, or they were using um, a few minor difficulties. Oh, yeah. Something like that to take care of it, so...
0: All right, well, do you, have a, do you have a fill in the blank for me?
1: Yes, I do. I do. Um, blank is the dilemma I have the worst time against. Oh, wow.
0: Um, obviously, the answer to that can vary from deck to deck. You gotcha. Uh, what what hits you the most, though? You Honestly, uh, yeah. GOM2. GOM2 Shockwave. Wow. Wow. Simply because there are, there are so many affiliations that have integrity issues, and mm-hmm. it, it's not. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've I've hit that and had four diplomacy, but twenty five integrity, or or even have the telepathy, but no integrity. It, and the fact that it is, I think, the only dilemma. Well, I don't know about the only dilemma. It's it's one of the only dilemmas that has the same attribute on both requirements. And, That's a good point. You know, the Cardassians the, the have Koronos, and I really need to start using her. But Romulans, I- I- unless you're playing Dissidents, don't have a lot of ways to boost their integrity. Ferengi just have terrible integrity. Uh, oh, awful! Awesome. Uh, the, the Federation and Starfleet and Bajorans are the ones who are, are most likely to just and Klingons even, but more often than not, is going to hit me when it gets played. Unless I have some Herculean amount of cheating in my hand,
1: mm. right? No, that's a good point. It's a good one. I know that uh, for the Gerard, it was. Uh, um, oh, jeez, I'm forgetting the name of Carter. the character. Uh, right? The they're different. Uh, different uh, races. They have troubles with racial each other. tension. Or racial tension. Jeez. So, oh, he. It would be absolutely hilarious to watch this guy playing uh, in-house with that that card come up and he would just sigh because he had just the worst luck with it. He could have, you know, he could be attempting with 30 Klingons and have one alien uh, in the group and it was getting picked. It just, this guy had the worst luck with that card. It always, it always hit him no matter what he was doing. Absolutely hilarious. That card is, is
0: hit or miss on me, but almost Mm -hmm. every time I play it against somebody, (laughs)
1: <laughs> it fails.
0: I I used to play we used to play uh quite a bit and um I used to play Brian Sykes a lot. Uh-huh. And a couple times I I would play against Brian or Brian would play against me and I would play racial tension on him on his federation deck and pick Guinan and Tolian Soren. <laughs> so the, the two Ellorians and like he's got six races in his crew. There's two humans, two Ellorians and everybody else is different. And I would pick the two Ellorians every time, or the two humans, or or whatever. Man, that card infuriates me. That, that's a good one, too, because I just had really bad luck with that. <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree. It's it's absolutely one of those things that's just going to hit hit or miss, and people... uh oh, funny stuff. Funny stuff. Uh, 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 I do remember a game that was played at one of my tournaments where a Federation player played Gomtu on a Romulan player at the gom mission, Investigate Sighting. So, A Romulan ship got damaged by gom at the mission where you were investigating gom So, I love those little Absolutely Trek Sense moments hilarious. when they happen.
1: I agree. Those are always great. That's awesome. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm a big fan of the game One True Three. Have you heard of this game? Yes, I've heard of this game. I like it too. Yeah, Dan played last time, and it's your turn today. So I love it. I love it. Just for everybody out there who hadn't heard before, One True Three is a game where Brad is going to tell us three things about playtesting. Specifically, the history of playtesting, or the process, or stories about cards and what happened to them during playtesting. And one of them is true, and two of them are complete... BS. And okay. and I will tell you guys now, this is going to be hard, because Brad is the master at BS. I mean, he and he, we mentioned it earlier, but he has single-handedly convinced at least three or four of the people on the continuing committee that the sky is falling, and horrible things are happening, and everybody bought it hook, line, and sinker until Brad's just like, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> the, the, the best was Dan Hammond. Man, I was, uh, Dan Hammond, I had him good. One true three about playtesting. And... Okay. What's the first thing, Brad?
1: Well, I want want to preface this just a little bit and say that, uh, I've been bugging the testers a lot about not telling stories that are going on, so I don't want to be hypocritical, so I'm going to be a little bit vague on some of these, which is just going to make it so much more fun. (laughs) All right. First thing is, uh... We once had a test group that tested over 200 games in a week for us, which is is cur- the currently the record for a playtesting version to do over 200 games in a week.
0: Now, is that going all the way back to Decipher era, or is that just in yes. the Continuing Committee era? So it could have been yes. could have been eight years ago.
1: Well, not yes. It was actu- it was actually during Necessary Evil testing, um, and now. So here's a little bit of a, of, of a tip. Here is that normally the groups we want them to be between three and five members. We don't want you know huge groups. This group had six members in it, and the only reason I let them have so many members in it was because they were so proficient. They put they would pump out so many games and gave us so much data. But yeah, so I mean you can you can sit back and do the math and figure out how plausible this is about whether whether they, they actually got in over 200 games, but it was, it was, it was it was a it was a great time on, on in feedback. That's for sure. Okay, what is your second choice? All right, number two here. Uh, I talked about playtest applications earlier. Uh, one of the groups that just got added, they aced the card review section on the on the application. It's never happened before. Always in the past people have either failed miserably on the and what it is is at the bottom of the application there's three cards and i ask for what would be your feedback on these three cards and i think some groups have failed in the past because uh just the the group's leader just looked at them really quick and did something didn't discuss them with the whole group and maybe they didn't get that collective mind action going on there but um I, I actually also think that maybe some of our current groups that didn't actually go through the application test, may not pass uh, the, the three card review. It's that, it's that difficult. I think you've looked at it too, Charlie. Yeah. Oh, I, failed. I I only got it, one of the three. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's rough. And, and the other thing is there's, there's multiple things that I'm looking for our feedback back on some of these cards. It's not just like one thing. So, um, yeah, one of them is Jellico. I'm looking for like three things on that card, and it's it's something that, that people miss. Now I don't want to go too much into what those cards are, because I, I still like them for what they give me with it, but recently had someone that came, that uh, a group that aced it. They got everything right. Well, they missed one of the, the issues on Jellico, but that, otherwise they totally aced the card review section. I, I was amazed. Like when I got it, I almost wanted to, to ask them, if they cheated or something like that, if they had talked to someone else that had seen the the cards before or something like that.
0: So so in all the time that you have been doing playtester applications, nobody has Mm -hmm. gotten all three cards correct?
1: No, no, no one has. And it's not just the current test. This is test number three that we have... since the Continuing Committee, I've changed it up two other times. But even going back all the way to the Decipher days when I would put up a card review for that, no one ever got all the cards right. always saw everything that was going on with the cards. So, yeah. Okay. Now give us number three. Number three is interesting because it plays into um, Will of the Collective. Uh, Will of the Collective is is uh, currently... Uh, working on a, a Harry Mud card or or a hard card, fit in mud, whatever we decide, is is gonna be. And Harry Mud has shown up in playtest files four different times in the history of the game, all the way through Decipher now. And every time it has been absolutely crushed by playtesters. They've always found so much issue with what we were trying to do with this card that it always got cut. This card has Never seen in fact one time it went through version A. In version A, the testers can actually just talk about the cards. They don't have to have games played behind in their feedback. I mean, once it didn't even make make it out of version A. It was it was that rough that I just said, Nope, let's get rid of it. We'll work on something else some other time. But so Harry Mudd bashed my testers four times, so put a little pressure on the on the community there to try to uh Get this this will of the collective card working so that it actually makes it through the testers.
0: Now, was it the same card four times, just slightly tweaked, or did you reinvent him each time you reintroduced him?
1: Twice it was a similar issue where uh, we had it, and then the next time we, we tweaked it. The other two times it was one time it was a real meta-changing thing that had a, had a, another side effect, you know, which is which is happens a lot. You know, we'll put down a card that says, you know, hey this this card takes care of issue a and it takes care of issue B this is great and what it does is it creates you know issue Z that's even worse than a and B combined you know so that that happens sometimes and that happened on on, on one of the versions and that was the version that that went right out off the bat right out of a it it was obvious to the testers but not to the designers that uh, it had an issue and then the, the fourth one it it struggled a little bit I think I was just really trying to force something uh, and it, it just it just stumbled around and failed. It was it was it lack of any kind of interest in the card is really what got rid of it. Okay, so
0: number one is Playtest Group played two hundred games in a single week. Back during single Necessary week, Evil. Yep. Number two is uh, group aced the playtester application. And number three is Harry Mudd has failed testing four times. Four times. Fifth time's a chart. Okay. Everybody go on the All Things Trek forum and find the thread that says One True Three Playtesting Edition and cast your vote for which of the options here is the correct answer. And I will pick three winners and I will send you your choice of the current set of virtual tournament foils. Your choice. Oh, wow. So I will come out of my my stock. I will ship it to you personally, and that will be your prize. So those are the three choices, and that was One True Three with Brad. We've been talking a lot, but it's been enjoyable to talk to you as always. Oh, I love it. Thank you. It's always good to chat, chat with you as well, Sean. Sure. Uh, Brad is actually... Uh, always around so if you guys ever have questions don't ever hesitate to throw up a thread and say hey I got a question about this he he might not answer you promptly Uh, he may not answer you at all if you're asking stuff like what's the costing system because I I mean he doesn't even even tell me that stuff this guy works for me he won't even tell me but uh, Brad is always more willing to talk to people and talk to players And uh, if you guys have any feedback on this podcast as always let us know Brad thank you for joining us Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing these podcasts. Yeah, my pleasure, and uh, we'll catch you next week.
1: Fill my heart with song, let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words.